Burgers are best fresh from the grill. Well, more specifically, burgers with Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. It's so rich and creamy that it instantly makes any burger irresistible. And what backyard barbecue is complete without some potato salad? Not just any potato salad, of course. Potato salad highlights the rich, creamy goodness of Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. So if you want to take your barbecue season to the next level, stock up on Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. For great recipe ideas, visit hellmans.com. They say every dog has its day, but when you're Lulu and your parents drive a Camry, every day is your day. The roomy rear seat is the perfect, whoa, is that the dog park? Backseat besties, it's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota, let's go places. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. That's who we in applesauce. Three words for that. Ooh, blah, and blah. When I'm wrong, I say I'm wrong. Oh, it's gangbusters. Damn a shake in In FL and Dave. Damn a shake. Hi and hello, football fans. It's your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. What's going down? I hope all's well wherever you are, and I hope you had a festive July 4th Independence Day. Welcome to episode number 75 of the Dave Damashek Football Program. Available, as always, on iTunes. Subscribe, won't you? Sitting in once again for Adam Rank, who remains on vacation this week, our pal from NFL.com, Elliot Harrison. What's happening, fella? I always like sitting in. Well, that's what you're doing, sitting here in Studio 66 and joining us in Studio 66 in a little while, Chandler Harnish. Who's that? He's Mr. Irrelevant. That's who he is. He's the uh, he's the Indianapolis Colts new QB from Northern Illinois. He's in the mix, too, because they only have three quarterbacks on the roster. The entire franchise now only has three, Drew Stanton and it, uh, this Andy Luck character. Drew from Stanton, West Coast who had an incredible, incredible career in New York. He did, yes. He had a glorious stay. Uh, was he there a, a month? Kin, akin really to um, maybe uh, Belichick's, Belichick's running <laughs> yeah. with the Jets. Yeah, about the about the, that length. Um, so, Elliot, we talked uh, a couple days ago about uh, the fact that you're putting together for NFL.com your list of, um, of the top 20 games of 2011, and we're looking back and sort of projecting out. We also are going to do – uh, another edition of uh, Dead or Alive. We've got that coming up. And Handsome Hank is going to join us um, in just a little bit. But let's talk about this top 20 because that's up there on the site right now, counting down from 20 down to uh, uh, depending. It's I'm not sure when you're looking at this uh, listener slash reader. But um, let's talk about uh, – so uh, to review, at number 20, you had the Panthers at the Cardinals. Right. I Cam don't remember Newton, that game. Cam Newton's coming out party. That was the uh, uh, season debut. He threw for 422 in that game, but they didn't pull it out. Cardinals got a Patrick Peterson punt return touchdown. Packers and Chiefs was a was a – 
big surprise. Oh, huge surprise. Romeo Cornell, his debut as interim coach, and they got the big win. Giants at the 49ers. That's the regular season game. Justin Smith batted down a fourth and goal. Eli Manning pass at the stick to uh, stop the Giants. And that's when the Giants started their – remember when they went on their midseason slide, they were 6-2, and two, and then all of a sudden they hit the skids. And it looked like Coughlin's job was in jeopardy and, mm-hmm. and they would miss the playoffs. You said on episode uh, 74 earlier this week that you think the Giants are not going to make the playoffs. I agree with you. I don't well, think they're going to go. I, I, you know, I, I because that of, was Hank that said that. I think they will go. Oh, you do. That Hank. was handsome. Do you think Hank. they're going to win the division? I do, I do. I think handsome Hank felt like the Eagles are going to swap places with them. Uh huh. Well, I think that the Eagles. You know, I can't even. I, I think the Cowboys have a great chance to go to the Super Bowl this year. And yet, I could also see the Eagles winning that division. And there's no reason that the Giants shouldn't be a really good team again. It always comes down to them. The the health of their of, of their defensive front. When it's right, it's dominant and it's just about unstoppable it would seem. The two times that they have been in good health and they've had the, the ability to rotate guys in there and everything. They've won the Super Bowl. Um but I, I, there's there's something. I guess it's the nature of the NFL. It, teams don't generally go to back to back Super Bowls. It's a simple. That's I, I go on and on on this podcast about how great I think Hakeem Nix is. I think that he should be in if he had great health, he would be considered one of the top four or five wide receivers. But then again, Andre Johnson never has great health either. Yeah, if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. Yeah, Jeff Fisher said that he thinks that CJ2K is going to return to his old form, his uh, 2,000 yard. Not that he's going to actually run for 2,000 yards, but that he's going to, you know, get back to looking more like that. I don't know about that one. Andre Johnson gets hurt every single year. Who's your bounce back guy? I mean, Peyton Manning, I guess, comes to comes to mind. Yeah, and, and if to a lesser extent, Jacob Tammy. I really like that signing in, in Denver. I think that Tammy could easily catch 75 balls there. In fact, I even like the Joel Dreesen signing there. I think Manning will use those guys uh, almost like bishops on the chessboard. And But, I mean, for me, it has to be Peyton Manning. I, and I, I don't mean to – look, I gave you John Ritter last show. All right, I already kind of gave you the best I, I could. asked but, for the best in honor of uh, the passing of uh, Andy Griffith. We said the best – characters and or best lead characters in tv history right and i, you I got right with you know, jack tripper I, I thought i shocked you with that i can't really shock you this time not better than homer simpson or sam malone mind you but still in the pantheon of greats oh it's in the pantheon yes andre johnson you reference i i think you have to to reference him the 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 thing about those guys whether it's gates andre johnson they gotta hit the wall at some point dave I mean, they have to. Andre Johnson is not as young as everybody thinks he is. I mean, this is going to be his 10th year, you know, and I don't know that, that you can just come back and be the guy you were in 2008. Ditto Peyton Manning. I know he's a quarterback. We think that quarterbacks can play forever because they don't play a skill position, you know, on the outside or whatever. But, I mean, Peyton Manning, this is going to be his 15th year in the league. Yeah, I agree with that. And how about uh, Matt Schaub? I think everybody, including me, has sort of kissed the Texans into a category of unbeatable in that division and obviously one of the favorites to go to the Super Bowl. But we assume a great deal. A guy who's missed a fair number of games since he took over in Houston. Remember the Sage Rosenfels era. He uh, played a fair amount of games, as have other backups there, because he keeps getting hurt, Schaub. So it assumes a lot that they're just going to, that Schaub's just going to walk in there and pick up where he left off before he got hurt. Um, 
You know, I'm all over the place in my head, but you mentioned Manning and tight end, and you, you like Tammy going to Denver. Martellus Bennett always looks great when you watch when you watch him with the Cowboys in preseason you always think oh he's going to be terrific maybe he'll get on track there in it you know I know that's one of your favorite subjects is that tight ends these days can run up the middle of the field wide open because of the rules changes and they now have two good tight ends that they can that they can do that with the Giants you remember how long Ted Knight took to hit the ball on Caddyshack Yes. Yeah, that's exactly how long they have to run free in the middle of the field. It's absolutely ridiculous. I can't stand it. It's just a fact of life that that's the way the game has evolved. Uh, But Bennett's got opportunity. I mean, look at their tight end situation. You remember you were at the Super Bowl. Ballard got hurt. Beckham got hurt. Ballard's not even on the team anymore. I know. Okay. Beckham is probably going to miss. He'll start the season on the pup list. And you know how that deal goes. He could never come back Mm -hmm. during the season. And then they have Bear Pasco. I mean, Bennett's got a better opportunity than he would ever have in Dallas because I can tell you right now, Dallas fans, not only obviously Witten is one of the greatest tight ends to ever play the game, but their third-string tight end, John Phillips, was actually much better than Bennett. They gave Bennett every chance to succeed and then some. They gave Bennett what I call the Drew Henson treatment. No matter how bad he stunk, they kept rolling him out there until finally they realized, boy, this kid Romo is just a lot better than he boy, is. Boy, you name more tight ends than I real. I thought every other tight end that was uh, was out there was now on the New England Patriots. Their roster is now, I think they have 47 tight ends on Billy their roster. Billy Joe Dupree, Doug Cosby, Jay Saldi. Who, I'm trying to think I, I, of I they had, no, they got, um, no, I'm going into Patriots. Patriots, they had Hasselbeck. Uh, Russ Francis was a good one for them. And uh, they who, had the other Lynn Dawson, the guy he Lynn tore his Dawson. knee up in the Super Lynn Bowl. Dawson. Lynn with an I, right? L-I-N, yes. yes. Lynn uh, Dawson. And they had of course uh, Ben Coates. Ben Coates. That's what I was just searching for was who was but who did Bledsoe throw it to uh, 100 times or caught 100 passes. They had, uh, uh, oh, gosh, did they have Fourier? Who's, who did they have? They had Eric Bjornsson for a while, the former Dan Cowboy. Dan Fourier, right. Uh, they had, oh, gosh. Didn't they have Kyle Brady? That rings a bell. He was drafted by the Jets out of Penn State. Yeah. They had a tight end named Marv Cook that they drafted pretty high in the, the late 80s. Mm-hmm. Well, we could go Patriots tight All right. All day, uh, Black so. Tie's bored with us talking about this. That's what we like to do. We like to talk about the history of the NFL. Is that so bad? I also want to get back to speaking of history. Adam Rank, who's no. on vacation, wrote a column, too, or put a piece together about uh, his favorite play-by-play moments in NFL history. I like the spirit of it, but uh, as usual with these kind of lists, People, it's the specifics that they get wrong. And Rank got it wrong, and uh, I want to write that if we can. But all right, so we left off Giants at 49ers. Saints at Titans. Do you remember uh, Saints-Titans? No. You know why you don't remember? Why? I'm going to tell you why you don't remember. Tell me. Because you were so bleary-eyed after our hour-and-a-half fantasy live, you know, that Sunday Sunday show. morning show. Oh, man, that thing was longer than the Ten Commandments, uh, you know, with Chuck Heston. Well, I don't remember the game. What happened in the Saints-Titans Saints, in Saints-Titans, that's when Jake Locker almost brought the Titans back against the Saints, made some crazy plays, and he got stopped on fourth I'm down. Glad, I'm glad you brought this up. I do remember that now. Jake Locker, that's this debate coming out games. of Tennessee. This game coming out of this, – the, the, the stuff coming out of Tennessee right now, that what should, who should they start, Hasselbeck or Locker? They're loco if they don't start Jake Locker. But Hasselbeck, think about two years ago. I mean, that was a, not to say that that means that he shouldn't be a starter anymore, but it was, a, you know, the Seahawks are kind of like, eh, time to move on from him. He's old now. You know, he's not he's not the, the world's greatest athlete. Now he's old. Um, 
And like you say, eventually, you know, it's diminishing returns with these QBs. Jake Lockers looked terrific. He was a first-round draft pick, you know, a high first-round draft pick. Eighth overall. Runs around great. And, you know, now they have – there are a lot of ifs with, with the Titans, but – it, this leads me into what I was talking about with the Houston Texans. Everybody has assumed I might, you know what? I might do this in July, early July. I might make my first, well, this wouldn't be my first bold prediction of the year, but it would be a bold one. I might say that the Tennessee Titans win that division. Nobody sees that one coming, but if Jake Locker takes over, here are the ifs. CJ2K is never going to be a 2,000-yard running back because nobody ever repeats 2,000 yards. But if he becomes an effective runner once again, then if Kenny Britt can come back and be anything close to what he was before the injury, now they added another piece in the draft, a wide receiver who's a legitimate threat. And Jared Cook is uh, is left off the list of best tight ends, but he is one of the four or five best tight ends. I mean, in fact, I was thinking about it the other day in fantasy terms at least. After you get past Gronkowski and Graham, I don't know that there's anybody I'd rather have than Jared Cook going forward. There's a huge, huge drop-off. I, I wrote that for uh, Fabiano for our uh, fantasy page about the drop-off between, I believe, Graham and Gronkowski average. I wrote like, the same thing. How about that? How about I, that? That's absolutely true. I yeah, did. I said because you know I love to talk about the fantasy cliff that at a position the it, the key detail isn't where am I taking it? it's it's determining where there are where you can slot guys Gronkowski and Graham you can debate who you'd rather have but what you can't debate is the drop off after those right. guys then there's a second batch of guys and once you get past that it's a really severe drop yes Jared what, Cook belongs higher what's, up there what's interesting you always talk about the fantasy cliff you talked about a lot on fantasy live last year and i think at that position with those guys that's the best exhibit or that's exhibit a of your theory about the fantasy cliff that's yes. the best one because I, Gronkowski and, and Graham averaged, between the two of them, like 210 points, mm-hmm. fantasy points, uh, on NFL.com scoring last year. The 3 through 10 in the tight end rankings averaged 120. <laughs> I mean, that's the drop-off. And then 11 through 15 averaged, like, high 90s. So there wasn't that big a drop between the third-ranked guy and, say, the 15th-ranked guy. But from 1 and 2 down was... Huge. So true. So true. So, yeah, I'm, I, I like that Tennessee team. They have a good, quiet defense. I'll, you know, they have some pieces they have to replace, as does everybody. But, yeah, I, I, you know, I think they're interesting, especially if you throw in Locker. In yeah, well, you, you you were referencing that they, they would be idiots if they didn't play Locker. You know, keep in mind, Mike Munchak's a the coach there. He was a second-year player or third-year player when Warren Moon came in. Warren Moon was a great player, but he struggled his first couple years. And they threw him to the Wolves. He started from day one. And because they didn't have anybody else, they had Oliver Luck. That's who they had. And Munchak saw that as a young player. And then when he was exiting uh, the organization, they drafted Steve McNair. Steve McNair uh, was sat for two years, played behind Chris Chandelier. And, you know, obviously McNair had a great career. So maybe this is just, you know, the way Munchak— Did you just call Chris Chandler Chandelier? Yeah, I got that from I got that from Demarco Far. <laughs> I don't remember him being that fragile, yes. but all right. So you know, I, Munchak has seen where sitting a quarterback is beneficial from both sides of it, and I, I maybe that's what's going on here. At the end of the day, Matt Hasselbeck does not lose games for that football team. He may not win a lot of games for him, but he's not going to lose games for them. I yeah, I but uh, I I think Tennessee in a crummy division. You know, you think about Jacksonville and Indianapolis; those are potentially four wins that are a great uh, head start on the other teams. And they can beat Houston. You know, split Cincinnati, Baltimore, Pittsburgh are fighting. You know, for a division crown. There, they're going to beat each other up. 
No such uh, worries if you're a team like uh, Tennessee. Um, All right, then you go Chargers at Chiefs. That was Monday night. Right, the uh, Phil Rivers uh, fumble. Texans at Bengals, the playoff game. That was uh, that may be on the site now. It was definitely up last night. That was that was not the playoff game. No, that was uh, late season. uh, T.J. Yates, Andy Dalton, and the angle there with all these games. We're not just doing a recap. There's a different angle to all of them, and, and that particular game was interesting because we had all these rookie starters last year, Dave, but the best matchup between rookie quarterbacks, maybe one of the best matchups ever between rookie quarterbacks in NFL history because it hasn't happened that often, was that game. It came down to the last play. Yeah, Yates drove him down yeah. the field, and, his, and they gave it in, in an empty stadium. They gave uh, his family visiting, uh, T.J. Yates' visiting family, the worst seats in the house way up at the top. I love that you remember that, but you don't remember like a whole game. Like you don't remember. Why don't you remind me of who it is? The game. I don't remember the game off the top of my head. No, but what was great about that game is the stakes. You know, Cincinnati was fighting for a wild card spot at that point. They'd pretty much conceded the AFC North by week 14. And then Houston was still trying to get the top seed. If new England could falter, Houston had a chance to at least get a mm-hmm. first-round bye if not uh, if, if Baltimore faltered. And uh, T.J. Yates did the best he could. And then you go, uh, is it Bears and Broncos? Bears-Broncos. That's, uh, oh, yeah, ugly uniform matchup. Too, too similar, too alike. Yeah, that game. Looked I, like a scrimmage. I didn't like it. I, that game, I also, not to bring too much fantasy here, but I also remember because I started Marion Barber thinking he would have a good game, and he did. He had 100 yards rushing and a big uh, pass reception. But that game... People remember it for Prater hitting from 59, and then Prater hit from 51, and they remember Tebow Mania, but if you put the Tim Sanity aside, Marion Barber had a big fumble in that game, and then when the Bears could have run out the clock, he inexplicably ran out of bounds. And if you remember, John Madden used to call Barber the best closer in football, and he just had a brain fart, and they could have won the game. Yep, and the uh, Broncos wouldn't have gone to the playoffs had uh, had Marion Barber not done that. New Orleans and Atlanta at number 13. Saints and Falcons. I don't remember that game. That's the Mike Smith fourth. In oh, one yeah, the from, overtime. From his yeah. own 29. And that, that particular game, it brought me back immediately to being 21 years old, watching Eagles-Cowboys at the vet, Barry Switzer, fourth and one from his own 29. I'm sure you remember this. Sure. He decides to run Emmett Smith, and the game is, uh, I believe it was 17-17, and oh, he got killed for it, and this is what happened. He, he Ernie Zampezi called the play. Barry Switzer doesn't call the plays. The offensive coordinator calls the plays. That's the way it works, okay? They didn't get the playoff before the two-minute warning, so even though Emmett got stuffed, Switzer had another chance to rescind his own call to go for it. Instead, he said, no, we're going for it, and Zampezi calls the same play. So Emmett gets stuffed again by Mike Mamula or whoever. I have no idea. There's a name for you, Mike Mamula. And the Eagles win. And, and that really, even though the Cowboys won the Super Bowl that year, that really I thought was the beginning of the end for Switzer. And it's unfortunate because the reason he went for it was because he didn't want his punter blowing into a stiff wind. He's like, I'm not going to gain any field position. If we have the greatest offensive line in the history of pro football, we should be able to get a foot. And he didn't know his Dodo Bird offensive coordinator, at least for that play, was going to call the exact same play call. So we drew some parallels there with Mike Smith. Mike Smith went for it in the Georgia Dome. <laughs> okay, there, He didn't have to worry. His punter could have boomed the ball. He decided to go for it. He didn't want to give Breeze the ball back. 
I know. I remember debating. I don't think it's that crazy to do I don't in either. this day and age. I, I don't either. I just think so it was, pass complete. You know, once you punt the ball, you're a pass completion away from being in field goal range these days. That, you know, my pal Kevin Hench, who, you know, the uh, one of the great uh, sports minds around, says this, and he's so right about it. The kicking game has it has so far outstripped what was expected of it when football sort of broke through in the late 50s early 60s you know late you know this is this is you know right around 1960 everybody's a head on kicker it's guys that play different positions on the field pat summerall was the giants kicker you know it's it, paul horning was the packers kicker and one year he made one third of all his uh, uh, attempted kicks including uh, pats I mean, it just was different, and that ignores the fact that nobody was trying 50-some-yard field goals. These guys now all can make 50-plus yarders, and, and they're in domes, and the, the, the field is in better condition, and so on. It's really warped the way the game is supposed to be. That's why I have submitted that kickers should be forced to play five plays from the line of scrimmage to earn their keep. You can't just be a kicker. That would be my. That would be a big rule change. You have to be able to go out there and be an actual football player, because then it would be, it would change the strategy. Yeah, Lou Groza. Can we agree? It's not that cool that games are always coming. That, that it's it, once you get to overtime that you're a completion away from winning or losing the game. I don't like that. You know, there's a great. Uh, there's a great. You mentioned Summerall. Summerall actually had a pretty big leg, and you know the greatest game ever played: Giants Colts. Well, the Giants got there because they beat the Browns in the snow in a playoff. And Summerall had to hit basically what Vinatieri did against the Raiders in 2001. He hit that 45-yarder in the snow, and that's considered his quintessential kick. Summerall hit one from 50 in a blizzard with straight ahead with that old gear. And, you know, the football wasn't a kicking ball. It was just the same crappy football they'd been using for, Mm -hmm. you know, an hour. And when he, he kicked the field goal, they beat the Browns. He comes running off the field. You know Vince Lombardi had that booming voice. You know, just grab, grab, grab. So when Summerall's running off the field, Lombardi yells at him, you can't kick it that far. This is after he's already made it and they've already won the game. You know, it's great stuff, man. If, if, you, if you're if you into that kind of thing, if you're TD and you listen to Creed live from Budapest, you're not into, into stories like that. I hope you, know, you don't not, listen to Creed, do you, black guy? Come on. I don't. I, I didn't think so. No, key sweat, but go ahead. Um, then you have the Super Bowl in there. I didn't love that game. It was fine. It was a, another upset, another uh, dominating performance by that defensive line. Tom Brady's uh, kryptonite. Yeah, the, the thing about the Super Bowl was that the stakes were so high. I mean, granted, it, it, it was a close game. It was not the best close game of the season. That's why it's 12, because, it, you know, it's it, the was Super Bowl, on, it right. is the Super Bowl. And then you had the Ravens at the Steelers. Torrey Smith had his big game. What did you think of that game? Because there were so many parts. Well, the thing I didn't Sunday like Nighter. it, the thing, the play that stands out to me that uh, that would have changed the face of the AFC postseason is um, Terrell Suggs basically calls a shot like Babe Ruth. He says, I, I forget exactly what he said, but he basically said, I own Roethlisberger. And, in fact, he did. The Steelers in, in the third quarter are about to take the lead. They're moving down the field, and I think they were about the 10-yard line. And he just tries to throw a, uh, a sideline pass, a, a screen out. To, I don't remember what the play was. He tries to throw a screen out, and uh, Suggs just jumps up and intercepts it and changes the game, and then they, uh, the, the Ravens go on and win it. Of course, had the Steelers won that game, the Steelers win the division. They have home field advantage, not the Ravens, and uh, things shape up pretty differently than the, than the way they played out. Um, they were the throwbacks for that game. I hate and those. I know you hate now those. Now the throwbacks are even worse. I, 
the Steelers. I don't, I don't like the white uh, pants, but I like the the yellow helmet. I just wish that, you know, I like the I don't like the, the yellow hat. What's nice is that on that throwback is the jersey. jersey the black jersey fantastic. with just gold numbers and lines. There's no there's no white in the uniform anywhere. Um, all right, so let's get to uh, – should we do dead or alive here, Black Tie, or, do, or should we uh, – is Chandler Harnish here yet? He's here. He's ready to go. All right, here he comes into Studio 66. He's uh, 2012's uh, edition of uh, Mr. Irrelevant from Northern Illinois quarterback Chandler Harnish. How are you, man? I'm doing well. Doing really well. Thanks for having me. Muzzle tough to you, first of all. <laughs> being Mr. It's better than not getting picked, true? Absolutely. There's a lot of perks with being uh, a drafted guy. Let me say something to you right out of the gate. I want to give you some advice, and I'll thank you to take it. I think this will go over gangbusters for you. Maybe might you know, ruffle a few feathers among Colts fans, but I think they'll ultimately learn to respect you for doing this. Here's what I want you to do. You're a quarterback with the Colts. I want you to wear number 18. <laughs> I think this is a good move for you because then people say, well, who is he? But you know what? They'll never forget you for making <laughs> that move. You understand? I, I think they are re- in the process of retiring the That's number. That's why you do it now. Because, <laughs> of course, they're going to retire that number. They're going to hang that number up. Get in there before it's taken off the off the table. <laughs> I don't think it's that easy. <laughs> Make it like, you know, like I mean, different teams have that. USC has 55. That's uh, an iconic thing. And I, I can't think of the, any of the other one. I think USC also has like 32 for their running backs. You own 18. You're just another in a line of grade 18 under center for the Colts. What do you think? I just don't know if I could do that because Peyton was my hero growing up. That's more reason to do it. You're just saying that's what you say you, you get in a way you'll seem very humble like i'm just trying to honor my idol that i i grew up watching where did you grow up i grew up in uh, bluffton indiana about an hour and 45 minutes north of indianapolis oh really so yeah. does that make you a purdue fan you know I, I wasn't a big college football fan in general I, I watched notre dame um purdue and indiana always struggled you know quite honestly when drew Brees was there they're all right but uh, uh you know we were we were more just colts fans is that right? So yeah. when growing up, it was always Colts. Oh. Yeah, they get there in 84. Yeah, you're a young right. enough guy huge, that that would be the Colts one. fans. Yeah, my grandparents have season tickets, row one, right by the Colts locker room. And I've uh, been going to games since I can remember. What a crazy thing. So, And it, was it just random that they that the Colts, of all the 32 teams that might have grabbed you, you wind up with with your, the team you grew up loving? I thought no way was I going to go to Indianapolis because I never talked to them during the whole process. You know, I never took a visit to Indy, never talked to any of the coaches, the GM, nothing like that. What an amazing thing. Good for yeah, you. Yeah. And then you go to Northern Illinois, and uh, I assume that, you, you know, Indiana and Purdue and Notre Dame and so on didn't call you right. uh, w- when you were coming out, when you were getting out of high school there. You go to Northern Illinois. What about, uh, just before we started here, I was asking you about that. I remember, because I lived in Chicago before I moved out to L.A., I remember LaShawn Johnson was making all sorts of hay. He was breaking records, wasn't he? Wasn't he uh, setting, yeah. a, a, at least in those college football seasons, he was the nation's leading rusher, wasn't he? Yeah, he was way up there. I think he rushed for maybe over 2,000 yards in, in one season, and he was like top five in the Heisman voting, too. I mean, he yeah, was right. way up there. So, yeah, I don't know him personally because he was before my time, um, but I, I think he just had a, a brief stint in the NFL. Yeah, I think I, yeah, I remember him having uh, his moments there. And then who else went there? Michael Turner? Oh, yeah, we had Michael Turner, who, uh, you know, obviously is a. Uh, you know, the rusher for uh, Atlanta, and then mm-hmm. uh, Garrett Wolf was a great running back too. He, right, he, he yeah. was he was top five in the Heisman, I think, as well when he was, you know, kind of in his day. And then uh, guys like Sam Hurd, uh, Ryan Deem, um, the starting left tackle for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, 
and they've slipped my Doug head. Free. Doug Free. Nice. Yes. Nice. Yeah. But he's... I looked on your uh, your little bio here, and you have my mom's birthday, July 28th. She's okay. angry with me right now. <laughs> uh, but I, I wanted to see, because Dave said, well, you're a young enough guy. Well, you you know, you were born four years after the, the Colts moved. So right. I was trying to figure out, well, who was your favorite Colt, you know, like as a kid? I'm going with Ken Dilger. Uh, he was, he, I, I really liked him, but, um, I was more of a, a Jim Harbaugh, Marshall Falk fan. And, uh, you know, I, I was probably too young to really understand because, you know, we didn't have a Peyton Manning during those times. You know, we didn't have that solid superstar every year, but you went to the AFC championship. We did go to the AFC championship lost to the Steelers, I believe. Right. That's right. That's right. And, um, in three rivers. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That was, uh. Was it a Hail Mary at the end? That That's right. Just about caught. Aaron Bailey, I believe. It yeah. was on his belly and oh, rolled off rolled and then pulled off. it back up. Yeah, Heartbreaking. But, uh, yeah, I would say a Jim Harbaugh fan just naturally having that quarterback gene in my body. You know, we so. were in the newsroom yesterday, and uh, Charles Davis and I were talking about the you know famous Mr. Irrelevance. And Ryan Suckup is the one that everybody knows, kicker right. for the Chiefs. But there was a quarterback in the 80s. He was Mr. Irrelevant in 1978. His name was Bill Kinney. Yeah. And he was drafted by the Dolphins. They had uh, Bob Greasy's Hall of Fame and uh, Don Strzok, so they let him go. Chiefs picked him up. He threw for 4,000 yards one season. Went to How a about Pro that? Bowl. Went, yeah, to a went to Pro a Pro Bowl. Bowl, 1983. Yeah, anything's possible. Anything's possible. <laughs> Carlos Carson, Stephon Page. Yeah, they had some uh, that uh, – I remember that KC offense back in the early 80s there. Yeah, there yeah, they're, they're some success stories going on here. And you're in good shape with Indianapolis this season because as of right now, it's, uh, uh, it's Andrew Luck and then it's Drew Stanton who tra- who got traded over – from the uh, Jetropolitans. What is it, by the way, with Michigan State QBs? I guess you say you're not a college football fan. Isn't it odd that that, that the Spartans seem to have a real knack for grooming backup NFL quarterbacks? They've had Brian Hoyer, right. who's with the, the Patriots, Drew Stanton now, um, Tony Banks was, a, was a, a backup for quite some time. I think they had Jeff Smoker. Jeff Smoker, yeah. yeah, yeah, right. He was a uh, he's one. Yeah, they just had Kirk Cousins is destined to be a backup in the <laughs> if to RG three for the right. next uh, many years. Earl Morrill, I think, went to even Earl Morrill backed up uh, Johnny U. He was born in nineteen eighty eight. I'm just <laughs> talking. So, uh, what he, he doesn't care, so now he's going to know about it. He can impress everybody with that knowledge. You know, a Colt for one year that went to Michigan State was Andre Risen. That was kind of an odd thing. They drafted him, first-round draft pick, and then they, they dealt him yep. in the Jeff George deal. Mm-hmm. Another yep. Colts, former Colts right. rookie quarterback. Right. Um, so how does it, what is, how's it shake out so far? You've been going through the OTAs and everything. Is it you, Stanton, and Luck standing on a line? Is it that, that iconic image that I always think of when I think of OTAs is the quarterbacks all standing in a line and all slinging it uh, uh, at the same time. Is that basically what you've been doing a lot of and comparing yourself to, like, I, I – I throw it as good as luck does. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely a lot of comparisons. You know, we're all competitive, and uh, we do a lot of drills together. And um, I'll tell you what, though, Andrew Luck is good. You know, I, I didn't think he'd be as good as what he really is. In what way? Um, he's so smart, and he he asks so many questions about, you know, why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? With Bruce Arians' new offense from Pittsburgh, um, you know, he's asking questions all the time about linebackers and blitz schemes and coverages, and uh, he's a great guy to learn from. So, you know, he's incredibly smart. He's got the athletic ability. Everyone knows he can throw the ball, and uh, he's incredibly consistent, too. What's interesting about Luck, I interviewed him at the draft uh, right after he, he got picked, and I, I was so struck with – I had never met him before. Uh, I was struck with how calm he is. Mm-hmm. He's pretty relaxed. I mean, right. 
I, I could see what you're talking about, him asking a lot of questions, but he doesn't seem like a panicky guy. And that's no. so important when you're a rookie quarterback. You have so much on your plate learning the offense. I mean, have, you, have you gotten that feel from him? And how important do you think that is to just be relaxed? Yeah, I've definitely got that feel because, you know, this is a guy that, you know, let's be honest, has a franchise on his shoulders right now. And, uh, and he missed most of OTAs uh, graduating college. So, you know, obviously the pressure is going to be there. And I think it was just his third practice. We were practicing at Lucas Oil Field in front of 10,000 fans. And you don't see one ounce of nervousness out of him. You don't see any kind of, you know, pressure whatsoever. He just, he just brushes off his shoulder and continues to play. And I think it's a huge asset to have as a quarterback because when you come in the huddle, the guys are looking at you. You know, it could be a 10-year vet, but he's looking at you, and he, he wants your leadership. And, and if you can show that you're that solid rock and a, um, a really just calm, under-pressure type guy, you know, you just exude confidence, and, and that, you know, goes throughout the whole team. If something, and obviously we wouldn't want anything to happen to Luck, but let's say he turns an ankle week mm-hmm. two, Drew Stanton maybe has uh, an injury, or perhaps you outplay Stanton in the preseason. What do you think your game brings to the Colts if you are called upon to start? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, definitely just my, my natural ability to make plays with my feet. Um, you know, kind of like you see Ben Roethlisberger make a lot of plays when the pocket breaks down, he can improv. I, I consider myself a quarterback like that. Um, you know, he's obviously a lot bigger than me, but I think I'd probably be – I'd move a little bit more uh, swiftly around the pocket. And then, you know, just my, my leadership ability and uh, you know, just the experience I've had. You know, I started four years in college playing a lot of big games – and, um, you know, had to come back a lot. You know, we, we played in a lot of shootout-type games where there was a lot of pressure on the offense. And, um, yeah, I think I could just go out and make plays and, and have fun and, and exude confidence to my team. Is it pretty palpable to you, the thing you always hear about, no matter who it is, Andrew Luck on down, it's always about, oh, the speed of the game. This, the speed is what we have to get used to. It's got to slow down before I can really be effective as a quarterback. Do you, when, when you're out there at the OTAs, do you are you in awe or do you feel like – yeah, all right, I can get used to throwing the ball to Reggie Wayne. Or, right. or are you struck by what well, these guys are moving five times faster than I've ever seen a human being go? Yeah, that's. Uh, I think the speed is kind of the easy answer early on, you know, when you first take some reps because, you know, my, my first few reps I'm throwing the ball to Reggie. I have Dwight and Robert Mathis off the edge. I mean, these guys are my heroes. I've been watching these guys for years. How cool for you. I really – that's wonderful, yeah. Yeah, unbelievable. But, you know, I think that after a few plays the speed slows down. It's I think it's complexity of defenses and then – you know, with the the new offensive schemes in the NFL, making hot reads and and, and changing plays and changing protections, that's probably the most difficult is just the complexity that you see. I think when you, you know, as a rookie too, but but really for any quarterback, one of the hardest parts uh, about playing in the NFL is throwing that 15-yard out outside the numbers. Right. It's so much farther than it looks on TV to the average fan because you're throwing all the way across the field. And that's where the speed of the game comes in because a corner is going to close on that ball. Right. You just can't noodle arm it out right. there. Yeah, and it's all about you know timing and uh, anticipation. You know, If you can get the ball out of your hand before that receiver's breaking out of his route, the corner has no chance. But then sometimes you got a guy like Darrell Rivas where <laughs> you just stay away from him, period. But uh, I, I think there's a lot more anticipation because the speed definitely, you know, those windows become a lot more narrow in the NFL. What about, uh, so you went through the rookie symposium. We've been hearing a lot of stuff. That saw some, uh, a couple of days ago, some highlights of Michael Irvin talking to right. everybody. I know Pac-Man Jones was out there talking about how he spent a million dollars in a weekend. Right. What's the most you ever spent uh, 
like half a million in a weekend? <laughs> well, unfortunately, I've never had that much money to spend. So. 100000 in a weekend? <laughs> I would say maybe uh, $100. <laughs> That's about all I have to my name. So, uh, yeah, I've never. <laughs> what goes on? So so it did seem to me like it really does strike me that it was they get, that the NFL just gave you a whole bunch of bad cops, but that you didn't get any good cop stories based on everybody who always out there mike vick was out there telling you what yeah. not to do yeah well mike vick actually spoke to the nfc earlier in the week but um you know so in the afc we had to we had uh, adam pacman jones we had michael irvin <laughs> and uh but we did we, we actually did have a couple good cops i guess if you will uh come in at the end of the week you know it's good to hear a story of a guy that did it right uh-huh. all the way through aeneas williams um matt slater uh, the long snapper for the giants the, the name slipped my mind but uh you know, there's there, there's some guys that have have done it the right way, and um, you know, not all of us have come from you know a, a bad family life or you know have family you know trying to or friends trying to you know take you for money. So uh, it's good to hear a guy that has come from your situation as well. Did uh, Did you hear Mike Vick got married the other day? I did over the weekend. They were talking and about Maroon it. Five play at the wedding. Wow. Yeah, they were talking about it in the newsroom, and I they just said Vic, and I said Vic Carucci had Maroon Five <laughs> and, and Flo uh, Rida. Yeah, yeah, Vic Carucci. <laughs> yeah. You know, Dave and I were in Indy for the Super Bowl, right. and uh, I, I lament the fact that I was not able to find a Dairy Queen anywhere in the area. But besides that, we sat down with Ryan Grigson. He had just taken the job right. by the Colts GM, and. I think of all the GMs around the NFL, probably the least is known about him. And right. he he kept saying to us that he just hasn't had time. We asked him, hey, what was the best game you saw of the playoffs? And he's like, I haven't. He's like, literally, he goes, I've watched half a quarter of a playoff game since I took the job because he, he had so much to do. And what struck me about him was he seemed very humble. He was a guy that wasn't able to hang on in the NFL, but he did play in the NFL. Right. Uh, what do you think about him? What's your impression? Do you think Colts fans should be encouraged? Hey, wait, wait, wait. Before he answers, let me just tell you something. I think you should say good things here because he's the boss. So don't <laughs> yeah. say, like, I think I don't, right. I'm not impressed by this guy. I don't care for him. I just love say good things softball. right now. Right. Well, you know, I'll say this to start. Ryan Grixon and I actually share the same uh, agent when he played. He had the same agent that I have. So, uh, you know, we have a little bit more of a connection. We, we know each other a little bit better. But uh, the thing that impresses me most is just I, I think his ability to understand how a player feels because he played the game. I, I don't know how many GMs out, out there have actually played the game. Very few. Right. And, and this guy looks like he can probably beat up all of the GMs in the NFL. I mean, he's six he's 6'6", so uh, probably 300 pounds. I don't know. He, he's a big, big guy. Boy. I mean, he's in shape. He's a big guy, though. And uh, But I, I think, you know, just his ability to understand the player um, – from from what I've seen, I think he's he's always looking to make a good deal, and uh, he, he's always surveying. Jim Mercey speaks highly of him, um, but you know that, that's a relationship that's continuing to build. I don't know him extremely well just yet, uh, but I, I think he's putting a, a great team in place. We're we're awfully new. We have a lot of new faces, um, but we're quiet. We do things the right way, high integrity, and and uh, you know that's just kind of a ripple effect of what kind of guy. Um, you know, Jim Mercer is, and then that goes to Ryan, and then throughout the team with, with Coach Pagano and so on. I bet uh, I bet uh, the Chandler's been to that DQ. There's that da- Dairy Queen uh, that's between Indy and Chicago. What's the road? There's 65. 65. 65. There's a turnoff right there. There's a great DQ about halfway there. Their dude sandwich is amazing. That's the chicken fried steak one. I'm nah. from south. I, I like chicken fried steak. No, mm-hmm. you know that's what you fantastic. get? Can I tell you what's a good thing to get at Dairy Queen? They make something called, you know, a slush puppy. You know what a slush yeah, puppy yeah, is? Yeah, it's, it's it's Dairy Queen's version of it. They call it Mister Misty. Right now, what you do is, what they'll give you is they'll make something called a freeze. It's sometimes not even on the menu, 
but it's there. Believe you me. <laughs> they put vanilla ice cream in there, and then they oh. whip it up like a shake. Get yourself a cherry Mr. Misty Freeze and thank me later. That sounds really good, actually. You know what? Really As a matter of fact, why don't we call that the number 18 Chandler from this point <laughs> forward? I think that's a good idea. Listen, yeah, you want to take some pressure off Andrew Luck. You're right. He has a franchise on his shoulder. You wear number 18. Little of the spotlight comes on to you. Andrew Luck's going to be thanking you. Right, right, exactly. I'm just, I'm doing it for the organization. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, all right, and uh, so so you're off to uh, training camp in uh, I guess just a couple of weeks, huh? Right. Yeah. We. Uh, Where do you do that? We uh, we go to Anderson University, about 45 minutes north of Indy. Very good. Well, uh, best wishes to you, man. And uh, yeah, it's all, what what an awesome story. I, I didn't realize that you grew up a Colts fan. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, you're too young to remember. Do you remember Elliot? When they first moved to Indianapolis to differentiate themselves, presumably from uh, from their Baltimore roots, they started wearing silver pants. Do you remember that? The mm. white hat with the blue shirt and the silver pants. See to it that they never go back to that. I'm a big uniform guy. I, love, <laughs> I, I thought that was a... I no, just came up with a great idea. Mike Pagel, Arch Schleister era, that were, oh, right yeah. when they got out there, that's okay. a, they wore their silver if, pants. They were no good. Yeah, if, if he wants to take some pressure off himself, don't wear 18. He should wear 19. Right. Turn the yeah. That that will be great. That'll bring in fans from Baltimore. I know that one's retired already. (laughs) (laughs) In Indy, they have the nineteen retired. I think it's retired. What number are you? What number are you? I'm number eight. You're eight. So I got one of the numbers. Yeah, (laughs) I just don't have the other one. (laughs) That's that's going to be an easy thing for the equipment manager. Just put that number one in front of them. (laughs) Yeah. You can blame me if you catch bad heat for it. You just say like, yeah. It was uh, it was that idiot uh, whose name I don't remember out in L.A. He had that idea. I'll take it away. Why do you wear number eight? That's what they gave me. Oh, that's what they gave you. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know if you had some. Uh, well, I was number 12 in college. So, uh, you know, I asked and they said, eh, I think number 12 is going to be taken this year. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, man. Well, listen, like I say, best wishes to you and congratulations on uh, not just, uh, you know, getting drafted in the NFL, by, but getting drafted by your team. I appreciate that. Thank Fantastic, you. Fantastic. And uh, good luck in training camp and all that stuff. And good luck in the AFC South. What's the buzz? What's the buzz? Look out for the Texans. Anybody, any any fear of the other teams in that division? I'd say the Texans probably, uh, you know, have garnered a lot of respect, you know, going into the season. I bet you you're not going to appreciate Dwight Freeney so much when he hits you for the first time in practice. I don't think they're ever allowed to hit us. So They're not allowed to even touch you. <laughs> That's I don't amazing. Think so. Okay. Well, you can win over uh, Drew Stanton with my uh, Michigan State knowledge. There you go. Absolutely. Just let him know. Like, you're just a backup, man. Then, right. Then, 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 then the controversy begins. Tell him it's not your fault. <laughs> Get in his head, man. Get in his head. I want to see you I want to see you backing him up by, by the end of the first month. <laughs> okay. Well, Andrew Lockhart. Okay, there he goes. The great uh, Chandler Harnish from uh, from Northern Illinois, and uh, and uh, what a what a dream come true, eh? Yeah, Elliot? Did, yeah. Didn't uh, didn't Romo go to Eastern Illinois? He did. My, he did. I just thought of that. Mm-hmm. Well, I was thinking because he was talking about how he's good moving in the pocket. Roethlisberger, Romo, they're really good at uh, moving around the pocket. What'd you make of, uh, by the way, Brett Favre saying uh, recently that the quarterback he who he likens himself to the most currently is Tony Romo? I think it makes perfect sense. I mean, I think they both have thrown. You know, they they were known both uh, throw uh, games away in yeah. big moments. <laughs> yes, but but uh, similarly, they're they're extremely mobile without being fast. You know, they're like a good right. racquetball or handball player. You know, uh, Favre could move around the pocket, and Romo could, and they're both great players. I mean, those are two guys to look up to. I, I don't subscribe to the theory that you're only a great quarterback if you won the Super Bowl. I think that's absolutely right. asinine. It does help, though, if you it win does Super help. Bowls. That does help mark you as a great quarterback when you help. win the biggest game in the sport. 
It does help. You can agree with that, right? I, as long as you can agree with, A, the fact that Temple of Doom was not good, and, B, that the DQ dude is the best thing on the menu. All right, enough, enough. He's gone. Look who's uh, walking in the door right on his heels there. It's uh, it's our old pal from England, the greatest Miami Dolphin fan we know. It's Handsome Hank. He's Handsome Hank from England. Handsome from England. He's Handsome Hank from England. Handsome from England. He's Handsome Hank from England. Handsome from England. His name is Handsome Hank. He's Handsome Hank. He's Handsome Hank. He's Handsome Hank. Hello, hey. handsome. How are you? How was your Independence Day? Oh, Dave, don't talk about it. I don't. I mean, <laughs> I know it's I, ugly. getting over it. It's still an open wound for you. It's eh? like it's like you you know you've been invited to the uh, to the wedding of of your best you know your your best girlfriend of all time and that your your true love and you've been invited to a wedding and you're supposed to celebrate. I'm not I'm not coming. I don't want to celebrate that. Interesting. So in a way, you're sort of like uh, um, the uh, I can't think of uh, who sang Jesse's girl. Rick Springfield. Rick, Rick Springfield, yeah. So in yes. a way, Britain yeah. is America, is Rick Springfield. Right. No, like, Britain is, is Rick Springfield, and America is Jesse. It's Jesse. Yeah. Yes. Interesting. Interesting. That's what uh, it's comparison. like, and that was what it was like for me all day yesterday. All right. Well, listen, handsome. Here's what we're going to do. Black tie, get ready. And uh, Elliot, we're going to do our uh, little segment here called Dead or Alive. First of all, hit the intro, won't you? All right, here's what we do. I just will give you guys, I'm going to make a statement here, and you tell me, dead or alive, whatever okay. it is, you know, but whatever the thing is here. And uh, I'll start with this one. French dressing. When I was growing up, this French dressing was everywhere. The streets ran, ran orange with the stuff. I, I, everything was French dressing. You could get Italian dressing. You could get French dressing. You could get Thousand Island. And if you wanted to pay a quarter more, you could get the blue cheese. Mm -hmm. Now I don't see French dressing anywhere. Now there's always a balsamic vinaigrette option. I like it, by the way. I don't dislike that. Ranch is everywhere. I think that might be the culprit. But I don't know where French dressing is. And so that uh, begs the question, French dressing, the use of it in our society, dead or alive, I'm going to start with you, handsome Hank. It's it's completely dead, Dave, and I'm with you on this one. I, I like a salad as much as the next mm -hmm. one, but if I am, I will choose any of the previous four or five options. Even, even when French dressing was around, I'm willing to pl pay the extra quarter or uh, 20 pence, as it used to be, um, where, I, where I was paying. And I'd take the blue cheese every time. What was it? What I don't even know what French dressing was made out of. And by the way, I never liked the stuff either. I never okay. had much use for it either. So well, it's kind of you to to be so worried about it. I'm though. selfless. Yes. Listen, if this, you know, it, maybe it's a meritocracy. It just wasn't that good, and so right. we we stopped. Yeah. But it was everywhere, though. You could. Was it? Was it? readily available in england because now well, you're we were that much closer to france Dave. i know what do you but think you... it was shipped over the channel don't um... you have more of a rivalry though with them that would uh, would make it so that you wouldn't want there is no and why is there no ink there's russian there's italian there's french i never realized no that why dressing. is everything why is that why because are they, they have, european because they have their own muffin but why is everything european over there why i mean why is every dressing why is everything somebody... in europe european no because we have all your dressings over right. here why isn't there an American? We did well, we did with cheese. 
ranch or ranch dressing is, I believe that is the American. That's actually probably Elliot ranch. know more about it. It's than, ranch. Than I do. do you have ranch in in the yeah, UK? Yeah, but that's a recent. That's that's only just arrived. I think it's like yeah. I think it's a twenty five year old invention. Mm-hmm. You well, know, it, then it probably took 10, 10 years to get to us. So. It's an exciting time, really, that we're living yeah, yeah. in, isn't it? Neat when things get invented that they didn't exist before you right, existed. But it, yes, it is. But it's also right for us to say goodbye to the things that no longer exist that have been you know pushed aside. Can I tell you something the, else? Ranch isn't good. I don't like ranch dressing. It's overrated, but yeah. I like it. You do. You'll, you'll take that. What about, and then you go the Thousand Island. Never was a fan of that. Um, like I say, you know what's a kind of a nice one is um, the uh, the sesame. Oh, I like, do like that one. Uh, Thousand Island always sounded exotic, though. I kind of like the, I, when it, it was pink as well, which is a little uh-huh. weird. But when they said they they reel off the list of potential dressings you could be having on your salad. And as a youngster, where is I'd this think land? Thousand, a thousand islands. That must be good. I wonder where they came up with that. Yeah, I don't know. I think it must be because there are those little chunks in it, and those represent the islands, which is disgusting. Makes <laughs> it makes me uh, like it even less than I already did, and I hadn't ever thought about that until right. this very moment. All right, so you're going with dead for French dressing, black tie. How say you? Dead to me. Real men don't eat salad. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, that's ridiculous. All right. And, uh, but and apparently Ellie. real men listen to Keith Sweat. That's, that's <laughs> you know. Keith Sweat. I, I mean, I have to defer to Handsome Hank on this. I mean, he, he kind of had me at hello. I, I put ranch on everything. All right. Well, I let's consult the uh, the good doctor here and see is, rent, is uh, French dressing dead or alive? Yeah, it's dead. Very you know, dead. Very I guess dead. so. So uh, that's it. Yeah, I, I guess um, good riddance to bad rubbish. You know, I, I felt bad for it. And I, like I said, I was just being selfless because I mm-hmm. never liked it. But now I think I've turned the corner on the idea that in like uh, anything else, salad dressing should be based on merit. Yep. And it just th- didn't pass muster. Lucky Rank's not here because we know he is anti-meritocracy. Uh, that's not the way. That's not how he rolls. What do you think he would like? He he probably likes blue cheese <laughs> and be, Thousand yeah, Island. Right, exactly, and no salad. <laughs> Wonder if they make a blue cheese meal. Now, blue cheese is delicious, though. That we can. We, yes. It's been condiment of the year on more than one occasion when I do my year end rankings when I hand out the Shecky Awards mm-hmm. because Thousand because uh, blue cheese, you know, thirty forty years ago. You put it on salad, that's the end of that. Just good for your lettuce. But, of course, the good people of Buffalo opened our eyes to a world of possibilities. Blue cheese, what its applications are, are limited only by your mind. That's what you can do anything you want with blue cheese. A burger, Mm -hmm. french fries. You like blue cheese on your burger? I love it. I love blue cheese on just about anything. On anything. In fact, I'll just like blue cheese by itself. I I have literally eaten blue cheese dressing. Mm-hmm. Now, you, will you I, put blue on. cheese on a burger that has another kind of cheese already on it? No, no, that's no, too don't. much. That's okay. Why would you do that? What I'm would be the point asking. of that? Why I've would, never what does that. I've never put blue cheese on a burger. Well, try it. Try you can't it. really denounce it until you've tried it. Moreover, I just want to use moreover in a sentence. I, I knew you where did. I was going with. I that. could tell that that's exactly what you <laughs> wanted to do there. Um, next up here, and we're not uh, we're not going to stay any more sportsy here because you just made me think of this one. When you mentioned Keith Sweat, because I've been having this issue the last uh, few days anyway. Black tie's got me twisted. This last weekend, last weekend, I don't even know if they're still happening. I don't know how long these uh, X Games go on. But uh, the X Games were conducted in Los right. Angeles. And I've never had a conversation with a soul, with a soul, 
about the X Games. Nobody has ever come up to me, and certainly I've never gone up to anybody, and said, uh, hey, who won the uh, motorcycle flip thing? You know, who mm-hmm. won the skateboard time? You know, who won the, the blah, blah, blah? I don't even understand what what in hell goes on. <laughs> There's a fine exhibitions, but I don't yeah. know how they equal a sport. How do you score? I, I, yeah. I don't get it. And then I and then I'll send tweets about it, and then people will hit me up and say, "Wow, you're completely out of touch. You're just old. You just sound old when you say that." Because people do get the X Games, people do understand them. To me, it looks like I don't know what whatever the sport is. Clearly, it is a 15 year old skinny kid dressed in skinny jeans with a flat billed baseball cap on who wins every event, right. whatever it is, regardless of the event. I don't understand what goes on. Then you mentioned Keith Sweat. I don't know about that. So anyway, here's the question. From what you've been able to glean from your exposure to Dave Damashek, has pop culture <laughs> passed Dave Damashek by? Is Dave Damashek now um, or alive? Is Dave Damashek as a pop culture touchstone? Well, that's not what I mean to say. As someone you can refer to who, for a for knowledge of 21st century pop culture, dead or alive. Clunky, but I think you get the message. Elliot, I start with you. Well, I'd say uh, dead. And secondly, I would say you've worked at the NFL too long because if you drop Dave Damashek in third person one more time, I, I really— Oh, no, I, that, that predate—Dave Damashek's been doing that long before his association <laughs> with the NFL. Continue. I'm, I, I'm done. I'm laying out. Black tie, how say you? Dead, and it's been dead for a while. Yeah, well, Maybe. you know what? I don't care what you think because you don't know anything that happened before 1997. So right back at you. Handsome Hank, I'll say you. I'm going to say, actually, I'm going to go with the other two. I think it's been dead, and I would probably put the date on your tombstone or on its tombstone in 1989. I think that's where it died. May, well, you know what? I disagree with you. I think I make it to the mid-90s because right. 94 I can acknowledge is maybe the greatest year of movies of my lifetime. Right. And I saw all those movies. Yeah, Waterworld. Yeah, Waterworld is the reason yeah. is what I'm thinking of. <laughs> Did about. you have a Carnell Lake poster? You had Pulp Fiction. You had, uh, you had Hoop Dreams is, right. the, is the greatest documentary perhaps of all time. No, I was too old to have a Carnell Lake 37. I was uh, by that point. What the, a great number. I had I did have uh, Jack Lambert. I had the fifty eight. I had uh, Lynn Swan up on the wall. Yeah, um, yeah. You know what? Let's uh, let's ask the doctor. But I think I know the answer to this. Yeah, it's dead. I'm sorry. I, you know what? I I I mean, I could get up to speed, but you know what? I don't know what Drake is. I you know, I'm aware that he sings, but I don't know what he sings. Mm-hmm. If you played me a Drake song, I would never know it. I would never be able to identify it. I've never seen an episode of Breaking Bad. You know, I don't I don't know like these TV shows that people are always talking about now. Well, here's just, here's something to make you feel better. There's one of the guys that works downstairs. He's closest to my age, and he had no idea who Nicki Minaj was. So that should make it. I don't know if I would know a Nicki Minaj song. I know well, you know I, who she is. Though, I right? know the name. Exactly. Yes, at least I know who. The, at least I've heard that name before. Yeah. I'll tell you something far sadder is that we work at the NFL, and last year when you went around asking people, they didn't know who Rocky Blyer or Drew Pearson that, was. I mean, that's far worse. I mean, I'm not going to feel bad that about is not, unbelievable. Yeah, that's an outrage. That's an outright outrage. All right, so Dave Damashek is uh, somebody is a uh, who who is knowledgeable about what's going down. In the world, even though I have the Twitter, shouldn't I know it? When, shouldn't I know what all the kids are buzzing about when, when uh, with the Twitter? But yeah, I don't know about. Uh, I, I I I pick up 
sometimes I'll pick up Us Weekly or People Magazine, and I'll leaf through it, and it'll be like celebrities. They're just like us, and I don't know that who the celebrities are that they're talking about. Like they'll show pictures of people. I have no idea who that random nineteen-year-old reasonably attractive woman is. I wish that I, I wish that I could really hammer you here, but I can't. I'm supposed to start tweeting more, and I I'm going to start tweeting about the search for Spock or something from you know. Like Star Trek yeah, Three, well, like listen, I, I, there's a not any better than you are. Um, by the way, at Damashek is how you hit me. At uh, NFL UK Hank is how you get the handsome Hank, and uh, at Harrison underscore NFL. You got to change that. The yeah. underscore thing is going to. Well, if I do, underscores are out. They went. They died around the same time as Dave's. So culture okay, but if did. I do Harrison NFL, that's that's uh, double ends. All right, last one on dead or alive. Lamar Odom, <laughs> the new Los Angeles Clipper. Has, uh, has is the latest NBA star. I don't know that you call Lamar Odom after last season a star still, but he was on the last Olympic team, and he says he's not going this time. And that, uh, as you know, Dwayne Wade is blaming his injury. Chris Bosh says he can't play because of his abdomen, but I do seem to remember him playing in the finals and not being affected by that abdomen. But now that the Olympics, and he's had six weeks to heal, now the abdomen's no good. He needs to heal that up. Listen, I'm not mocking him because I don't think NBA guys should be playing in the uh, in the NBA. David Stern doesn't like it either. So going forward, NBA stars in the Olympics, dead or alive, or at least should it be dead or alive? I'm going to start with you, Black Tie, as somebody who enjoys the NBA. I would say... It's probably alive, but I could see being dead in about maybe three Olympics from now. Because three Olympics from now? Yeah. It takes time. It takes time. 15, 20 years from now? All right. Dead. Elliot. Dead. Should be dead, you say? Should be dead. I agree. That's not what the Olympics is about. You see all these guys who've worked for four years. You don't know what the Olympics second. are about. You're British. When's the last time anybody British did anything in the Olympics? What? The British people don't do well in the Olympics. How, I'm sorry. How do you know I don't that? mean the... What do you mean, how do I know that? Because I'll tell you, three words. Eddie the Eagle. That, Remember that, that was nonsense? Winter, that was the that's Winter the, Olympics. That's, the that's highlight, a different thing. That's the highlight of the of British people's Olympic experience over the last uh, quarter century. Listen, if that was the Winter Olympics, people who go to the Olympics this time around are going to find out what a Summer Olympics in the winter oh, yeah, is going to be Oh, yeah, you guys like. have the Olympics. Yeah, right. What am I exactly. talking about? The, we, we know a little bit about the Olympics. What's going to happen? Yeah, it's that's gonna weird. Be that's going to be embarrassing Olympics. when you don't win a single medal. Can but we? what happened? When was the you're last the home, time? You're the home country, and you're not, you're not even going to win a medal. When was the Linford? Christie won the 100 meters. Oh, he yeah. won 100 meters gold. When was the last time you saw the Olympic 100 meters run in a downpour in rain? It's going to be great. What is going to happen? We, what, we, isn't uh, that the way it is in summertime? Rainy there or it'll, no? It'll, it'll rain when that's supposed hey, to happen. Can we Definitely. circle back to the Dave knows pop culture? Because clearly he doesn't know current events either. No. Why? He had no, you could tell he had no idea. I forgot. I, well, obviously, no I know one that has the Olympics. I forgot that. No but idea. I, well, no. So obviously, the English people will be engaged because it's happening on right. their soil. But I, but in terms of who's good, you guys, uh, every other nation has picked up on basketball. Where are you guys? Why can't you get better have, at that? We have some NBA players. You had who one are, guy. No, there are several who are playing. Who? For the, uh, there's a guy called Gordon. Someone Gordon, not Flash Gordon. He plays for Chicago. Ben Gordon and Lou Deng. Yep. Yep, there they are. Ben Gordon was yes. born in England? Born and raised. He doesn't Brit- speak with a with an accent. No, Lord Dang is a common British name. I don't know if he's playing, though. Last week he didn't show up for practice. Who, so. Ben Gordon? Yeah. He got traded. Ben Gordon got traded to the Bobcat? No. Uh, yes. Is that right? Mm-hmm. To the Bobcats? Well, let's uh, check with the uh, good doctor here and see. 
Yes, dead once again. So we're three for three. Sadly, we're uh, very sad. Yeah, it's not a, a great, doctor. pretty dark. Um, pretty dark for us uh, with this edition of Dead or Alive. But yes, and you know what? It's way too late. If you want to do the dream team, now it's done. What's done is done. You can keep playing the NBA guys all you want for all I care because you already missed the window, the opportunity. Here's the thing. They lose in 88. Uh, you know, um, John Thompson goes there to, where were those Olympics? China? Seoul, right? Seoul, Korea. Seoul. Sorry. Yeah, yeah Korea. I was going to say China. Wouldn't have been The Olympics wouldn't have been in China. In, in uh, Seoul, they go out there in a team that shouldn't have lost. Danny Manning, Charles Smith, a pit. And uh, a bunch of stars, they should have dominated by just pounding the ball in the, in the low blocks. Nobody would have been able to handle them. Instead, the other Charles Smith, the point guard from Georgetown at the time, John Thompson loves him and allows him to just take running shots in the lane, not playing to the strength, to their obvious advantage, to the, to the length that they had on the interior. Should have abused him. They lose that. America's in an uproar. This is our sport. We can't possibly lose this in the Olympics. We have to do something to show the world how much better we are than them. First of all, I love the idea of just sending college kids there and saying, well, this isn't our, this isn't our, we're sending you our JV, you understand. We're not sending you our, our varsity. And yet, we're probably still going to win the gold medal. And then when you don't, you just go like, oh, well, well so we still were pretty competitive. We still got a medal. You never wouldn't get a medal with just the American collegiates out there. And, and you know, you still have the fallback of, yeah, but keep in mind, we're not sending our good our best guys to you. Now, you lose in 88, 92, fine, you do the dream team. Do the dream team one time. Send a message to the world, and no one would ever say boo again. You go out there and beat everybody by 173 points like they did, all that team in 92, and then you just shut it down and you just say, like, maybe that should have been it. Michael Jordan on the gold medal stand should have just said, like, keep this in mind next time you want to open your mouth, world, because this is what we can do to you anytime we want to. Now, goodbye and welcome back to the college kids. That should have been it. And that, but no, they have to keep going with it. And I said, this is a bad move because at some point someone's going to upset the, the. And then we then we aren't at the top of the mountain anymore. Then it is like the Soviet Union beating the losing to uh, to our college kids in the eighty uh, uh, gold medal. I mean, in the uh, uh, in the Olympic hockey. Oh that wasn't the gold medal game. Don't oh god me! How you don't tell you interrupt me when I'm telling you something? Now it's done. Then they go and they lose. Now what are you going to do? Now other people are open or can say. Yeah, maybe we're better than you. Spain and Brazil and whoever else is good at basketball. But it didn't have to be that way. We could still have, you know what you do? Here's what you do, kids. Play a game. This is a good piece of advice for you. You know how you play with your family, you go on road trips? This is a good move. I admired my old man doing this once. One, one time, we're, we, we used to play Herbie. Did you ever play Herbie growing up? There used to be, you know, Beatles used to be called Herbies because they made the movies. Mm-hmm. It was a Herbie was the star of the movie. Hank, just let him sink or the swim Volks- with all this. The Volkswagen was everybody in society came to know it as a Herbie. So you could play it because those were out on the road, but they were but they weren't on the road that much because I think it was like a nineteen. I think it was like probably came out around seventy two ish, and by like eighty eighty one you didn't see very many. But there were enough out there that if you were on a road trip you could play Herbie. And if you spelled Herbie, same thing as playing horse. Right. If you whoever spelled Herbie first by spotting it Herbie, you know, you you win the game. So my, I, I was very good at Herbie, you know. I, I, I was, I was excellent at it, you know. And uh, I would always win. So one time we're on a road trip playing Herbie, and my old man 
beats me, you know? It was controversial. I'm just going to say it was controversial and leave it at that. I believe I got it out first, but whatever. I think people like to see the dominant force in a sport toppled. Mm -hmm. They like an upset, so whatever. So the judges gave it to my old man. Then he announced his retirement. Yep. I didn't like that at the time. But then, see, now he's retired, and that's it for him. He's done playing. I can't ever have a shot back at the crown. He hung it up, you see. That's what the U.S. should have done. The NBA star should have hung it up and retired. Never again. What? Oh, what? You have great players? So you know, France? Oh, you have Tony Parker now? Oh, great. Guess what? You know what? If we want to, we'll come out and we'll whip you again like we did in 92. But we're not going to. But we could do it anytime we want to. Now that mystique is gone. And it's dead, and so is this whole dumb segment. And Black Ties back there tell me to wrap it up, and Elliot's interrupting me with his, oh, oh is this over yet? And uh, Handsome Hank's going to go eat some French dressing for all I know. You know what? The only person I liked today was Chandler Harnish. He was the only one. He was down to earth. Thank goodness for him. He's real people. Chandler Harnish, Dave Damashek, real people. The rest of you, Hollywood phonies. That's what you all are. All right. That's it. I don't know what else wow. to say. What do you, what, you? Any final thoughts, Elliot? <laughs> I've been quiet for a while. I was just going to say like 10 minutes ago that, that the NBA is a totally different game than it was in 92, man. No, that's the point. can't even hit the mid-range jumper anymore. What does that mean? I don't know when oh, – that's like an old fogey comment. Yeah. There are plenty of guys that can shoot. What's Ray Allen? Ray Allen can shoot. Ray Allen, Hamilton could shoot it. Who else? Dirk. Who else can shoot the mid-range jumper? That's about it, isn't it? No, Paul Pierce. Oh yeah, we have. That's right. We got to get to. I was ready to wrap it up here, but handsome Hank is now. We he's not just a uh, a handsome devil, and he's not just uh, the representative here on the podcast for the Miami Dolphins. Also, you're taking on a uh, a new position here at the NFL. What I is am, it, handsome? Dave, Hank? Well, I I saw a gap in the market, and I think that's always something to, worth exploiting. Mike Mayock. When you think of the draft, you think Mike Mayock. Mm-hmm. You think of Mel Kiper Jr. and his hair and all that stuff. Joe Lenardi has his uh, – he, he owns Bracketology. Comes up with this cockamamie thing exactly. that's his whole career based on uh, five days of, of thing. Like, oh, that team's a bubble team. That team's not a bubble team. Oh, right. that team's in. And everybody applauds for him. Oh, he got it right. Yes, if we all did the same thing, we would all hit with the same level of accuracy exactly. as he is. All right, but I'm so, not, so I'm not diminishing it. Now, Good for you. Five years from now, you will be asking me – this time. This will be my time of year. This will be the time of year I own because it's the supplemental draft oh. coming up. No no one owns the supplemental draft, and I'm going to be that guy. So you're the supplemental draftologist. Yes, exactly. I'm going right. to be the supplemental draft guy. we got to get a better be name for you than that. supplemental mock drafts or mock supplemental draft. I don't know, but we'll be <laughs> doing that. supplemental draft. That's um, awesome. And, uh, the supplemental so I'm, I'm super? A, I don't uh, know. I don't the know. The supplemental superintendent. Some, yes, that could work. Let's do that. I like that. Okay, good. I like that. Um, so I'm very excited. This is my time of year. Some of the great players that have come out in the supplemental draft before, we all remember them. Bernie Steve Kosar, Walsh. Steve Walsh was a great one. Bobby Humphrey. Brown Bosworth, the Boz. Um, you know, so I, the I'm Boz, looking, that's I'm right. Looking, I'm looking at this year's crop. Um, and that's it. Those are the only people ever drafted in the supplemental well, draft. But, yeah, <laughs> all right. But, I mean, you know, it's, exi- it's an exciting time It is exciting. You're, I'm uh, sorry. Again, I don't want to get in your way. Go no, ahead. So there's a, there's a kid called Josh Gordon who might go in the fifth round of the supplemental draft. <laughs> and I've never really worked out, because this doesn't happen at Radio City Music Hall, so I've never really worked out how to, you know, like, pick up the phone. You want to pick anyone? Nope. Okay. Just keep going round and round, then someone goes, oh, all right. They do it like we do our fantasy draft. Right, exactly. It's round, it on five. Computer. it's round five. It's round five. Go on, then. We'll take a shot. Packers at, are on we'll auto We'll take draft. a shot at Carson Newman, linebacker Larry Lumpkin. Why not? 
Do you it think has. that happens? Yes. Yeah. Henry, do you think that happens like the Packers just say, ah, we're just going to do auto draft. Yeah. Let the computer do it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I think that's exactly what goes on. Anyway, so I'm thrilled about the um, supplemental draft. Look out. I might, if I can borrow your... Um, Damashek blog, I might do a mock supplemental draft. Oh, wow, that would be an the, honor. What because be, I don't have, there is no, I have no space right now to do That it, is a tasty treat. That is know. a great idea. All right, so you're the... Round one, I'll just give you a sneak preview. Pass. 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 Don't, that's, that's, I don't want, that's interesting where you're going, but, you know, no more spoilers. Okay. Save that's it. pretty interesting. All right. All right, so we'll look for an entry there on davedamashek.nfl.com. From uh, from Handsome Hank, aka the Supplemental Superintendent. I like, I like that. that. That's Thank very you. good. Um, yeah, you also need to have an event like a combine. Yes. You need to have a supplemental, supplemental combine, combine of some uh, of idea. some sort. That could be fun. Um, all right, let's wrap it up with uh, number seventy five. And this one's a neat. Don't you wince. We got to do it, Handsome Hank. I mean, uh, now I'm getting confused. Handsome Hank now has two names here on the show. Black tie. Don't wince at me. We got to talk. We got to do our business. We. End each episode by naming the player who wore that number the best. We're on episode 75, and to me, no-brainer. It's me and Joe, the greatest Pittsburgh Steeler of all time. Deacon Jones. Done and done, 1969. Jones. Chuck, uh, Chuck Knoll's first draft pick. He took the North Texas State. Deacon Jones. No, uh, Mean Joe Green. North, yeah, yeah. Went to, well, now you're, University you're of North Green. Texas. My right. Mean Green, my alma mater. You went there, and you played football there, too, I, didn't you? I love North Texas. Did you play there? No. Oh, you didn't play football. I didn't there. play football. I thought there. you did. Uh, mean Joe over Deacon. Do we all agree? Nah, I mean it's it's a they're both pretty damn good players. I'll let you guys fight this one out. Try again. Seventy five. Mean Joe easily over Deacon Jones, right? No. You're doing it to yourself. You're doing it to yourself. <laughs> Jethro Pugh. We mentioned him in the uh, last podcast. Why don't you just name Dieter Brock? That doesn't work. That's that doesn't weird. work? No, Black tie? I'm overruling that. does not work. In fact, that is the end of the podcast. That is, that is it. You just, you <laughs> Black shut tie. Down. Black tie's end in the podcast. Doesn't All work. right. doesn't work. You reject. That's the first official rejection of a Dieter Brock uh, reference here on the podcast. We try to get it in organically at least once a show, and uh, we went over, I guess. But the judge overruled <laughs> my, my, my lame attempt. Admittedly lame attempt. All right. Well, listen. So be on the lookout for Elliot Harrison as he counts down to uh, number one there on the best games of 2011. Rank has his stuff up there, as always. Um, and, uh, oh, don't forget to look for, upon further review, the, yes. new, uh, the new video segment of mine and Elliot's. And, and Black Tie, can I borrow your uh, Creed Live from Farm Aid? I brought my laptop. I can download it to iTunes. Handsome Hank, what did you, one to ten, what uh, score do you give upon further review? Um, I get a seven point five. Okay, so room for room for improvement, but it, it's going to get there. Okay, so that's uh, that's there at davedamashek.nfl.com, and also be looking for the uh, supplemental superintendents uh, draft mock draft supplemental mock draft that'll be up there for your uh, for your enjoyment very soon. All right, Elliot, thanks so much for coming by. We appreciate you filling in this week for uh, for rank. You betcha. And, and we'll bring you in as uh, as season draws closer, and we'll break it down by division, eh? You betcha. Sounds super. In the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. 
and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you pull up to game night in the all-new Camry, but it's actually bingo night. Mini golf, anyone? It's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota. Let's go places. Burgers are best fresh from the grill. Well, more specifically, burgers with Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. It's so rich and creamy that it instantly makes any burger irresistible. And what backyard barbecue is complete without some potato salad? Not just any potato salad, of course. Potato salad highlights the rich, creamy goodness of Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. So if you want to take your barbecue season to the next level, stock up on Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. For great recipe ideas, visit hellmans.com. 